but we're happy to be home with our our hub family here because <laughs> we know that this is you know the enemy isn't scared when when you go out the enemy's scared of what you build <sighs> you could go preach the word and do all kinds of things but what scares him the most is when something gets built because it's it's created on a foundation and it begins to build on something that's why he's so after your purpose and your destiny because when you begin to build yourself within yourself and you start seeing change within yourself it scares him it scares him because then you start having your identity in christ and then nothing can tumble you down when you have your identity in who you are because of the lord and you know when we were in kentucky they had a they had, it's so crazy how the Lord does this. But the last time we had gone to Kentucky, we had released a word about the boats were coming. And then we get there this last time, and they actually had La Pinta boat visiting the region there. We've seen that happen before when we went to Rhode Island. When we went to Rhode Island, they had the Mayflower there. And so God does things in the natural when he's speaking in the spirit. And so... I felt like I needed to kind of go back a little bit. And when we first came here, that the Lord had shown us the lighthouse that we were going to be creating and the boats coming in. And I had had an encounter of the Lord with the Lord. Um, and I had seen these boats that had gone way too far by themselves. You know, the deeper that you go out to sea, the sea will actually take you to, it will actually end up taking you further than you thought you would go. Have you ever noticed that? Like sometimes you're looking and you're on the beach and you're looking out on the ocean and all of a sudden somebody who was like right here by the sand <laughs> ended up far, far away because the waves took them out somewhere, right? And I started seeing these boats that had gone way too far and they were doing things by themselves, and no longer reliant on coming back to the lighthouse. See, we got to keep coming back to the lighthouses because if we don't keep coming back to the lighthouses, you won't be restored and healed. And, and, and the boats that I saw were a lot of evangelists and revivalists that were going out and pouring out, and they were uh, running rugged, tired, and they weren't coming back to their lighthouse to be restored. See, you go out, you get slaughtered, you, you deal with all kinds of craziness when you go out and as, as an evangelist. Then you come back, and you got to have a safe place to come back to, a lighthouse that leads the ships in to get restored and healed. Because if you stop depending on the lighthouse, you'll lose your way. Because the lighthouse represents the light of the Lord. And you need the lighthouse to help sustain you and to help give you foundations and to help teach you and to begin to build you in your spirit. You know, just because you start getting into your own ministries and you start going, being sent out, it doesn't mean you don't have any need for the lighthouse anymore. And let this be an awakening to people not only here but that are watching online. Some of you go out and, you know, you're doing tent revivals and you're doing all this stuff and all that's great. But don't forget about your lighthouse. 
Because the lighthouse is what God has built for you to help sustain you and to draw from. And for you to come back to a safe place where you can get restored and healed from the damages that are created when you go out. You need it. It's not even a question anymore. When I first moved away from my house at um, the Lord had sent us to Alabama, the Lord every six months, like, like clockwork, every six months I was going back home. And I was going back to my original church. And the Lord said, I'm going to keep sending you back. Every six months, I'm going to send you back. Because you still need to remember that you have a lighthouse to go to, a safe place to go to, to get restored and healed and get reset, get rebooted there. Well, as I saw these lighthouses in the encounter I had, um, I began to see the boats coming in. And it's funny because somebody had shared this morning that they saw the boats coming in. The boats, to me, represent the Lord pulling them back in through his, through tugging at their heart. And he's tugging on people's heart to get back to the place of needing that lighthouse. And when I had this encounter years ago when we first moved here, um, I remember the boats coming in, and they had a lot of damage around the boats. Like, some of their siding was broken. Uh, some of their, like, I don't even know anything about boats, but this is what I saw in the spirit. And I saw the siding being broken. I saw scratches on the boat. I saw that things needed to be repaired and healed. I saw that they had gone through some hell going out and evangelizing and doing their thing. And then all of a sudden I saw the boats coming in and all at one time, it was like everything became quiet all of a sudden. And I heard the anchors begin to drop. And when those anchors dropped, I could feel the shaking of the ground all of a sudden and the Lord coming in to restore these boats. And I believe this is the time where we're at right now because of the boat that came in. See, the boat that came into Kentucky while we were there, it, it carried resources for trade. And I believe even this morning, the Lord's like, let's do a trade. Let me give you resources and what you need, and let's do a trade and anchor yourself to me. So today, I'm not even in the message yet. This is just prophetically what I saw in worship. Um, the message today is called the anchor of my heart. Because we have to begin to anchor ourselves to his heart and to him. We can't anchor it to our gift. We can't anchor it. To, um, you know, like when they drop those anchors, they're looking for stability. They're looking for those anchors to hook onto something that will sustain them. If you drop your anchor in a sandy area, it's not going to catch hook and it's not going to keep you steady. It's going to come back up and lose balance and your boat's going to be tipped over if you're not careful. And it becomes a dangerous place for you. So the anchor come the anchors can only be dropped in a certain in certain parts when they come in. That's why they have docking zones and they have certain areas for you to drop your anchors because if you drop them in the wrong area, <laughs> I'm speaking prophetically, catch it by the spirit. If you try to drop your anchor somewhere where you're not supposed to be, it's not going to catch it. There's many people right now in different places where they're not supposed to be. 
I'm not talking about just in their self-decisions. I'm talking about you're supposed to be planted and gaining roots and growing somewhere. And sometimes they're out to sea way too long and they don't come in. You can't be out to sea for long periods of time. You'll die. That's, that's natural. You only have so much food to sustain you. You only have so much to get you by being at, out at sea. That's the natural thing. It's also in the spirit. If you're not going back to your, to your home place, back to the lighthouse where God has assigned you to be to get something of nutrition fed back into your body, you're going to die. And you're going to burn out. And you're going to grow weary and tired going out. And you think you're doing, man, I'm doing God things. God's in this with me. Yes, you can be doing God things, but don't forget to feed yourself at the same time. And right now, there's a lot of empty vessels running around on very little fuel right now. And you need to remember to come back to your lighthouse to get refueled and repumped and reset. Because if you don't, you're going to die out there. I'm speaking to the spirit. I'm speaking to you prophetically. This is like wisdom from heaven that nobody even told me about. And so today, I'm going to speak to you. I don't, I don't talk a lot about my mom and dad. They've gone to be with the Lord. But when the Lord shows me something through them, I try my best to share it. Because my, I love my mom and dad very, very much. <laughs> Like, my dad was the best dad I could possibly have, and my mom was the best mom I could possibly have. Like, it didn't mean that they were perfect. It meant that God perfectly chose them for me of what I needed in my life. And, um, <clears throat> and so the other day, we were emptying out boxes this past weekend uh, from our move, and as I was emptying out a box, I saw a small coin bag that my dad had given me, and... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, for, I had forgotten about it. You know, you forget about things, you know, and, 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 and memories and things like that. And when I pulled it out, I opened it up and I said, oh, this is the one my dad gave me. And all of a sudden I felt not, not just emotional in me because my dad's not here. I felt the Lord come in the room. And when I felt the Lord come in the room I felt like when I opened the bag, see this bag that he had given me, <clears throat> I went, I, I, it took me back to the place of when I walked in the house. And I walked in the house at my parents' house one day. And when I walked in, I said, Dad, I said, I need a little change purse for my change. Doesn't it speak volumes, right? <laughs> I need a, a change purse for my change. And he goes, my dad was the type of person that if you needed something, he always had it. Like, their house was the house you went to that if you needed an iron, he had an iron. If you needed an ironing board, he had the ironing board. Whatever we needed, we could go home, and it was there. Like, that's just what kind of dad my dad was. He always thought of all of us. And so when I walked in, he says, you know what I do? I have one. So he went to his drawer, and he pulled this brand-new bag. It was white. Well, inside the coin bag were anchors. I didn't think anything of it back then. But to a now time, my dad had given it to me. And so when I opened it, I felt the Lord come in, and it hit me in my heart. And when I opened it, I saw the anchors, 
And I literally heard the Spirit of the Lord says, it's time that you anchor your heart to my heart. And he says, because you need to anchor yourself to me because I'm your father. And even though your earthly father's gone, your heavenly father wants to anchor himself to you. And I just began to weep and to cry. And I remember looking at my husband and I said, man, I said, you know, my dad was alive. This, we're needing some stuff in our house right now. And I was like, he would have had it for me already. Like he would have come and dropped it off to me and said, Miha, what do you need? And he would have brought it to my house and dropped it off to me. And I would have had no need for anything because that's where my dad was with me. Like if I needed anything, even if he didn't have the money, he'd go get the money. Like, this is how spoiled he had me. <laughs> I'm just, I was a spoiled brat <laughs> with my dad. <laughs> my dad was, like, so good to me. And so, um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing with the Lord. And as I'm, I'm hearing the spirit of the Lord all at the same time. And um, it was crazy because last week, we had gone, our, our toilet had broken, and we had gone to get some things we needed at the Lowe's. And I remember getting off the truck, <laughs> and, you know, you say things, but you don't realize it. We always talk about there's power in what you say. And I stretch out my hand like this, and I said, Lord, I'm like, send me the mower that we need for our house, because we, we have a lot of land we have to cut now. <laughs> And I just said it like real quick, right? And then my family's like, yeah, we need a mower, mom, okay. And we're all walking into Lowe's to go get the stuff we need. And so we walk in, <laughs> and <laughs> literally after I have this encounter with the Lord about anchoring my heart to his heart, the next day my husband gets a phone call early in the morning, <laughs> and somebody's going to bring us a mower, <laughs> a riding mower, <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> and the thing about it was was that the Lord was like you have to get to a new place with me. Even though we don't have earthly things, we have our our father in heaven and he loves all of us the same. And who we draw from and who we pull from is him. Even if in the natural, you don't have a mom, you don't have a dad. He was trying to teach me in that moment, like, you're anchored to me, and I'm your father. And if your earthly parents did these things for you, how much more would I do for you? How much more would I want to bless you and help you and provide things for you, even when you feel you don't have nobody? And that, that's the message I want to talk about today, about the anchor, anchoring ourselves to him. And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into the God's inner sanctuary. When it says inner sanctuary, this is a call. Like, this is a call to his sons and daughters. This whole thing that they were doing, the, the last song, It's All Gonna Be Okay, it was an extension of God's love for you to say, come deeper, come into the sanctuary, come sit with me, let's talk about things, let's create a relationship with one another so I can hear your heart. 
Don't keep everything bottled up inside. Don't keep it all inside because I'm the one you anchor to for your hope. Don't try to anchor your hope to things that will create hope defer in your heart. Because it, it very well could have created hope to firm my heart. You know, my dad's gone. I, you know, I feel alone. I don't have no family here. And it could have led me to a place of hope defer that makes my heart sick. And that's how the devil wants us to believe and think right now. But the Lord comes in. He's like, no, if you anchor your heart with my heart, I'm the one with the hope. I'm the one sending the things that you need when you need it. And you don't have to depend on, a, on anything but me. And so it was so crazy because the Lord was reminding me, I had forgotten I said that. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, you sent the mower. I'm like, and, you know, we could become like spoiled brats and be like, why didn't you send this and this and this and this? And, and then, and then, but you send this. And he's like, that's what you asked for. You didn't ask for this and this and this. You asked for this. And then we get upset because he sends us things and we're like trying to figure out why, we're, why things are being sent to us when the Lord is hearing our prayers. He's hearing what you're saying out loud. Even when you're at your kitchen table, I don't even know why I'm saying that. When you're saying things around your kitchen table, he is there with you. When you're sitting there on your couch, you're watching shows, you're saying things out of your mouth. He's hearing you. Every part of your day, he's hearing you. You don't realize it, but he is. That was evident that he was hearing me. Because from one week to the next, and I was such a mess yesterday, like I was on my face weeping and crying with the Lord because I could feel how, how much love he had for me and my family to just send. I couldn't even go out to the people who brought them more. I couldn't even go outside because I was just crying and weeping in such a mess with the Lord. Like, I couldn't because, because we don't understand. We don't understand how good he is. Like, we don't understand he's in every single detail of your life. And everything we have is because of him. It's not because of a job or money or things we've done ourselves. We've got to rely on him, not on our natural things that we see in our face. Because those things can be gone from one second to the other. You know, and, and so the anchor symbolizes hope, steadfastness, calm. It represents to be calm. It represents uh, composure. <laughs> this is all things that we're supposed to look like, anchored to him. Steadfast is to be firm and unwavering in your faith. Nothing should be making you waver in your faith. Nothing should come and detour you in your faith that he's not going to give it to you. Isaiah 49, 4 says, I replied, but my work, seems, my work seems so useless. How many of us get to that place? And we say these things out loud and we don't even realize it. Oh, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. This, Isaiah was having a hopeless day right here. <laughs> I was like, Isaiah, what is wrong with you? 
<laughs> like, how can you say that? <laughs> and they saw the works in front of them. Can you imagine? We see the works today and we become the same way. We see him evident in our lives. <laughs> and then Isaiah in 48, this is going a little backwards. This is Isaiah talking about the stubborn Israel. <laughs> And, and this is what it says. It says in verse 1, listen to this, you descendants of Jacob. <laughs> you, were, you who are called by the name of Israel and come from the line of Judah, you who take oaths in the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth or righteousness, you who call yourselves citizens of the holy city, <laughs> citizens of holiday city, <laughs> <laughs> and claim to rely on the God of Israel. The Lord Almighty is his name. Verse 3, I foretold the former things long ago. This is the same person who later becomes weary and tired. My mouth announced them and I made them known. Then suddenly I acted and they came to pass. Verse 4, for I knew how stu stubborn you were. <laughs> your neck muscles were iron. Your forehead was bronze. Verse 5, therefore I told you these things long ago before they happened. I announced them to you so that you, you could not say my images brought them about. <laughs> my wooden images and metal gods ordained them. You have heard these things. Look at them all. Will you not admit them? From, from now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. He's, okay, he goes from like, okay, you're a stubborn people. This is, this is where you're at. <laughs> and then he's like, but, <laughs> this is the but God moment. But now I'm going to tell you new things and hidden things unknown to you. They are created now and not long ago. You have not heard of them before today. So you cannot say, yes, I knew of them. <laughs> like I'm speaking to somebody's flesh right now. <laughs> I know, I know. When we lived in Alabama, that was the, the thing to say. I would preach to people there, and they're like, I know, I know, because they were like Bible Belt. They knew the word. So they were like the I know people. <laughs> and then it says, you've, you've neither heard nor understood from of old ears. From your old ears have not been open. Well, do I know how treacherous you are? You were called a rebel from birth. For my own namesake, I delayed my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you. So as not to destroy you completely. See, I've refined you. Though not as silver, I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. How many have been going through afflictions? He is refining you in the fire. We did the fire on the altar in Kentucky, and that's all I kept thinking about. I'm like, you're being refined. You're being tested. You're being refined by the fire. Nobody likes to be refined and tested. But you have to go through that process to get 
the mess out so you can be closer to him. You have to. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be reframed? I will not yield my glory to another. He's saying, I'm not going to give up the glory that's due. So I got I to gotta take you through this fiery furnace sometimes through the spirit of the Lord and refine you. And you're going to go through some testing. But if you're anchored to his heart, the refining and the testing, you'll pass it. Because your heart's connected with his heart. And the anchor in your heart hooks to his heart. And you're grounded. And you can't be shaken and you can't be moved in the refining and testing. Then you don't have doubt. You don't have unbelief. You don't have did God say all this stuff that's been coming against you. You're not moving from that place anymore. Well, should I even be here? Maybe I shouldn't go to church today. You know what makes my heart so sad? We've been having these evangelist classes every Thursday. And all the people that said they're called to be an evangelist have not even been here. Why? Because the devil has you somewhere else, busy doing something else, and you're supposed to be here getting trained and equipped for the very thing you said, God said over you, spoke a prophetic word over you about you being an evangelist. See, I can't make you burn where you're supposed to burn. Only you can. And that burning only comes by you anchoring yourself to him. Isaiah 49, 1 through 7, the servant of the Lord, listen, O me. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you people from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Coin the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. He said to me, you're my servant, Israel, pin whom I will be glorified. I, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense is with my God. And now the Lord said, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it's too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. These are the evangelists. My light is for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princesses, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One, Israel, who has chosen you. He's speaking destiny and purpose over you. He's like, man, I've given you this light, not light for yourself. Not so you can be encouraged with this light in the morning. It's for the nations. It's for all the people around you. 
and I'm going to make you strong, and kings shall see and arise, even the princesses. You know, the enemy, he's been coming at you, and Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. We got to hold up our shield of the faith of the Lord when the enemy comes. He has no right to you. He, ha- he should not even be in your thoughts because he comes to, to cut you down in your mind. He's after this to shut everything else down. If he can get here, he'll shut everything down. You no longer will have a ministry. You no longer will speak on behalf of the Father as an ambassador. You, everything shuts down here because this controls everything else. It controls your mouth. It controls how you speak. It controls everything. And if he can get you here and make you feel less than, but it says right there in that scripture who you're called to be. You're supposed to have the light for the nations and bring change everywhere you go. Psalm 62.1. This is David talking. I wait quietly before God. This is what we're supposed to do. For my victory comes with him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them. I'm just a broken down wall of a tortoring fence. They plan to topple me over from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Those are hypocrites. (laughs) Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. David's going through it right here. This is when they're coming after him. This is when the lies are going about about David. (laughs) He's getting attacked. He He starts talking to himself in this whole process. He's talking to himself, and he's like, he says, he's like, he alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress is where I'm not shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. When people don't honor you in the natural, it's okay. They're going to take it up with God. They don't like what you're doing. They're trying to come against all that you're called to be. It's okay. Let God honor you. He's the one that's going to honor you. So why look for honor in man? If man can't see you the way he sees you, then what spirit are they of? Let's cut it today. What spirit are they of if they're not speaking of the heart, from the heart of the Father? Because the heart of the Father is love. And when they start speaking against the anointed ones, the ones that are called, the ones that are called to certain things, they're not speaking against you, so don't take it personal. They're speaking against his plans and what he wants to do for a region, for a ministry, for an area, for everything that you represent in God. So they got to deal with him, not with us. I didn't call myself to Ohio. He called me here. I wasn't just sitting there one day, me and my husband said, oh, uh, any, mini, mighty, mo, catch a tiger by its toe, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> I didn't say, give me the map of the nations, and then 
Let's go to Ohio. <laughs> God called us here. So if any has a, anybody has a problem with us being here, take it up with my father. He's my boss. <laughs> He's my boss. I said that this morning. I'm like, I only listen to my boss, which is in heaven. He's the conductor of it all. You want to be mad because of what I'm doing? Be mad with him, not with me, because I'm not the one who chose to even do this with my life. I didn't choose to be here in this region. God put me here. God put my family here. So if you're upset about it, go before the throne of God and take it up with Jesus, not with me. This is not a fleshly battle. You're talking about a spiritual battle that you're trying to make flesh. And I'm like, no, this is not about the flesh. Wisdom. Causing disunity, causing conflict and chaos when there's supposed to be peace and rest with the spirit of the Lord in a region, in an area that we're carriers of his glory to bring change. It's like, man, we're supposed to be in the boat together, not against one another. (laughs) It makes no sense. But what spirit are you of? Not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit doesn't talk and walk like that. Verse 8. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind. And the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales together, they are lighter than a breath of air. (laughs) Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, oh God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. Let me tell you, when you're a pioneer and you're and when you're a pioneer and you're pioneering something, you go through some stuff. <laughs> That's why it's grace that will help you get through the plowing and the breaking up of the rock to plow the ground. Because only grace can help you do it. It is not us in our own power that makes anything happen. If it's not his grace and his mercy that comes with us, that's why one of the scriptures, I have to find it for you, it says, I'm not going to go where you don't go, God. I'm not going to go. If you're not there, I don't want to be there. That's what one of the, one of the disciples said. If you're not there, I don't want to be there. If you go with me, I'll go. Because if he's not in this with you, or wherever you choose to go, if he's not there, there's going to be some issues and problems that you were never meant to go through. Hebrews 6.20, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Where our forerunner Jesus, who's running in front of you? Jesus. He's the ultimate forerunner. You know, people write articles and things. They're like, yeah, you know, we became the forerunners of this ministry. We became the forerunners of that. We become the forerunners of blah, blah, blah. He's the ultimate forerunner. Come on. 
if he's not running in front of us or you, then you're not where you're supposed to be. Because he's supposed to be running in front of you. He's the ultimate forerunner running in front of you. The intercession didn't even know we were going to share on that today. They were talking about that in there. It's like Jesus runs before us. We have nothing to worry about. Hebrews 6, 1 through 20. So let us stop. I'm going to read this whole thing because this... This whole scripture is important. So let us not stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. (laughs) You know how many people I've heard say that? (laughs) I've read this scripture before. I know what this says. I have it memorized. I can even correct the leaders on what they're saying wrong. Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) so let us stop going over the basic teaching about Christ let us not stop let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding get understanding you know the word of God get understanding with it because even though you've heard it 50 million times doesn't mean you have understanding of it Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. In Hebrews here, he's talking to a mature body. He's talking to people that have been in the Lord for a long time. They're not babes anymore. And he says, you don't need further instruction about baptisms, laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. In other words, you've been taught all this already. You know about all these things. But let's move forward for further understanding. That means there's more understanding he wants to give you in all of this. Verse 4. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. You can't go backwards. Once you see healing, you cannot go backwards and not believe in healing. Once you have an encounter, you can't go backwards to what you knew to be after these things have been shown to you by the Spirit. You try to go backwards, it's not going to be good for you. Who have... Verse 5, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. You've already seen the power. You've tasted the goodness and what he does in his power. And who then turn away from God? Why do you turn away from him when you've seen so much? Why are you running from him when you've seen so much already? It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up in public shame. That's what happens when we've seen all this stuff, we've experienced all these things, and then we back up and we want to go back to what we knew was back there 
back to our old mindset, back to our everything old we used to do. The old man starts rising up again inside of you. And it's like, it's like if you're nailing him on the cross again and holding up to public shame. If that doesn't encourage you to stay anchored to him and anchored to his heart, then I don't know what. Verse 7, when the crowd soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. I see that there's a fire on the altar. (laughs) You know, we were leaving here to go to Kentucky. And I started seeing the farmers in Indiana start pulling up their crops. And I was like, man, that's pretty fast that the crops are being pulled. But you know what I saw in the spirit? I saw that this season, this year, they're going to have double portion. And they're going to have double crops. And you know that that happened the first year we came to Ohio. That happened. They had the double crops. And then the year after that, or like two years, I think it was maybe a year or two years after that, is when they went through that bad flooding and they didn't have anything anymore. It was like so prophetic. It was like God sending the double now. And I really believe this year they're going to have double double crops this year see what we do here in the spirit it matters to the whole region to the whole area because we have to begin to shift our mindset that what we have here is governmental doesn't matter the amount of people we have in here it matters of a governmental mindset two people that have a governmental mindset will bring change to a region they did it they went out by twos to be evangelists and minister to the regions. So what you do here matters. And God takes, takes it and does something with it. Verse 9. Dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Have you ever done stuff for people and they just took it for granted? And then you were like, man, what just happened? What was all that about? Like I gave you my everything, and it was like nothing to you. It's for real. Because people don't think the same. But he's saying here, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. That means everything you did for whoever, whether they took it for granted or not, Whether they didn't see the value in it doesn't matter because he saw it. And because he saw what you did for those families and he sees everything that that you still love them and you cared for believers as you did. He says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others 
as long as life lasts. That's the ultimate goal, to keep loving. You can't take those situations, those things that have happened in your life, and stop loving. That's not the Lord. The Lord's like, who cares? Yeah, some crazy things happen. Bad things happen with certain people. But keep loving. Keep loving because I'm watching. I'm seeing you still love. I'm watching you still being loving to other believers, even all the crazy drama you went through. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. So he's just not saying keep loving. He's like, love, uh, keep on loving others as long as life lasts for the rest of your life. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Do you see that part? You just keep loving no matter what it looks like. No matter if the devil's mad, ticked off, no matter if people don't appreciate it, no matter if situations went the wrong way, no matter what, you still keep loving. Because in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. See, because you have to understand, the Lord's about family. And because he sees you continually loving no matter what, even a bad situation has happened in your life, that hope and that desire you have in your heart, because you anchor yourself to his heart, he still makes it happen on your behalf, no matter what happened. It's not based on the people. It's based on him. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. So what does that tell you? If you stop loving, you will become spiritually dull and indifferent. You have to continue to love no matter what. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. That's where he wants us at right now. He's like, I want you to be in faith, have endurance to continue to run your race for me. God's promises brings hope. Verse 13, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Sometimes you just have to wait patiently. But the promise is still going to come no matter what. Verse 16. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath. So that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. 
Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. All of that came before that one verse. Before the anchoring come, he gives this whole guideline about love. And it didn't matter that others didn't see what you did. What matters is that Jesus saw what you did for others, for other believers, people you loved on. He comes in with his promise and his oath. So this is, this is what I call the double-double. Because he doesn't just come in with a promise. It's coming in with an oath. That's like, okay, you have a promise and the promise is good. But now I'm coming together with an oath now. There's more to this. I'm going to pull it out for you. Because I'm up here and the Lord's talking to me. And I'm like, Lord, I want to dig into this. Because I don't want you to, to just take the surface things. An oath refers to a promise made in God's presence to another human party. The oath came in the presence in the sanctuary, behind the veil, behind the curtain. So what does that mean that we're supposed to do to get the oath part? The promise already exists, which comes in prophetic words over you. To me, prophetic words are promises. So it's already been declared over you. It's already been spoken over you. You've got all these prophetic words in your pocket. Now the Lord's saying, okay, now, just like Abraham, not only did I bring you a promise, but there's an oath attached to it. How do we get the oath? In the inner sanctuary. If you're not going into the inner sanctuary and an intimacy with the Father right now, you're going to be dismayed. I heard that word so clearly this morning. You're going to be dismayed. And I pulled up some scriptures on what that even looks like. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's saying, get in the presence in the inner sanctuary. Get the oath there, because it, the oath was created in presence. That's the refining in the fire. Because once you go past everything else, you get into the inner court of the sanctuary, the fire's there in the temple, and you walk into the inner sanctuary, and the oath is created in the presence that I say activates everything. And if you haven't been in that place, in the sanctuary with the Lord, in your secret place, then activation can't come to the promises. Because the very thing you're too busy to do is the very place where your breakthrough is at. But I'm busy, and I got things to do, and I have work, and, but I want breakthrough. But I need a touch of God. But I need an answer from, from him from these questions I have. Get in the secret place. Get in the sanctuary. 
Because the activation to the promises he's already put in your belly don't get activated until you get to that place in the inner sanctuary in the presence with the Lord. That's why you can walk into a place and it be dry and it feel you feel nothing. I'm not coming against anybody. What I'm saying is there is a difference when there's a hovering of Holy Spirit and a presence of the Lord somewhere, and there's a difference when it's not there. And it's just word, 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 and no presence. So your promises can be activated without presence. You need presence and words together to create and begin to build inside your soul what he created you to do for your purpose and your destiny. And if you have not gone into the inner court, I, let me give you an example. I had a friend. She was very dear to me. I loved her so much. She's gone to be with the Lord. We would have these talks, and she would tell me, I don't understand when you say, like, like you were with the Lord, and, and you, you had this encounter, and you went to heaven. I don't get all that. Like, how did that even happen? And I told her one day, we had a serious conversation. I said, all you have to do is shut everything off and sit with him. And she's like, I don't think I could do that because I'm just, like, everywhere. <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing for believers is to sit quietly with the Lord and to know that he's God. They're always busy doing something. Even if you're doing something for God, you're busy doing something. But you don't realize that sitting with him in quiet peace and rest is the very thing we need when all the drama and the chaos and the mess and the attacks are coming that's the very thing you need to do. That's part of our inheritance. That's part of something we begin to draw from. And if we're not drawing from that well, from those rivers he's given you, you're going to be dry. And anyways, let me continue the story. So she goes on to be with the Lord. And I have this dream about her. <laughs> and the dream was that she came and she says, she tells me she's in heaven, and she's like, I'm here in heaven. If I would have known a long time ago heaven was like this, I would have sat with Jesus, and I would have been in heaven all the time. Now I get what you were trying to tell me. You know that we sing that song, and we don't even take it seriously? But I don't want to wait to go to heaven when I die. No, I want to go right now. He wants to take you there now. He doesn't want to wait for you to die and then take you. <laughs> he wants you to experience the fullness of his Holy Spirit and the inner sanctuary of where he teaches you and he trains you through the spirit of the Lord and brings the oath to you in the presence that activates the promises inside of you. Look, this is all fresh from the spirit, I promise you. I can't even get any claps of any of this because the Lord is just dropping it in my spirit. And he's like, <laughs> look, I hardly even prepared this morning. I'm being serious. So I'm, I'm with the flow of the spirit this morning. 
Because I was like, this is what I call grace. <laughs> that grace and mercy be upon me to do the things he wants me to do. And there's no perfection in that. Perfection is not what we think it is. Failures are not what we think they are. Some people won't even walk in the front door anymore because they feel, they feel that they failed. And God's like, no, that was a teaching moment. I'm trying to teach you from your old ways to your new ways. And sometimes we can be prideful and say, I know, like he was saying there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, you don't know. Because they're new things. They're things you haven't even experienced before. They're new things he's trying to show you so you don't know. And he's trying to pull you into the inner sanctuary to get the oath that activates the promises. Because it comes from the presence. I'm not against fasting and praying. I know it works. I've seen it work many times. But if you being a parent and a mom and a dad, don't you just like to be around your kids sometimes? Don't you miss them when they don't come see you and visit you? And sometimes you miss them so much, like, I just, I just want to hear their voice. If they could just give me a call and let me know they're okay. So we got to begin to connect our heart with his heart as the anchor in our heart. Because that's how he feels about you and me. He's like, if I could just hear your voice. If you could just come sit with me for just a little bit. If you could stop what you're doing in your busy life and sit with me for a moment, that we can go into this inner sanctuary together, and I can tell you everything you have of question, and I can begin to reveal to you your purpose and your destiny of the promise I've already spoken over you. Jeremiah fought his promises, but Jeremiah was also known to be a man who was on fire. Jeremiah 29 says, if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, there is in my heart as I were a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary with holding it in, I cannot. We've got to get that place like Jeremiah was. Like, I can't be quiet about how real he is. I can't be quiet about heaven encounters. I can't be quiet about his healings, his, his signs and his wonders. I can't be quiet because it's a burning that should shoot up your bones like it did for Jeremiah that you can't be quiet about it anymore. That's where they got that song. I'll sing it from the rooftops because everything in you, in your mind, you try to control this. You try to hold things in of the realness of who he is in your life. And God's like, Jeremiah's like, man, I can't hold it in anymore. You can't hold it in anymore. Be who God created you to be in the fullness of who he is. And don't care about what people or think or say about you anymore. That's not the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for warfare, for welfare, and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. This is part of us anchoring ourselves to him. He's our hope. 
Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You're going to get tested. The testing comes in the mind. But if you're in the presence, the enemy can't go into the inner sanctuary. What would happen when they first created the first sanctuary that Moses was given? Nobody who wasn't right with God could enter in. It's the same way now. That means the devil can't follow you into the inner sanctuary. He's not allowed in there. It's forbidden. It's forbidden. So when you're in your inner sanctuary, guess what? The devil's going to keep you with all kinds of distractions to keep you from going in there because he knows once you go in there, something great's going to happen with you. So all the distractions come, sickness comes, attacks come, everything comes to stop you from entering into the inner sanctuary. But that's the very place that activates the oath, that activate that oath is there that he's made with you that activates the promises in your life. Let's stand. There was a few more things and make sure I share it. Romans 12, 11 through 13 says, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive and serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. And when you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in, in need. Welcome others into your homes. He's giving a little guideline here. He's like, never let the fire in your heart go out. See, the fire that's created in your heart is connected with his love for you. When you don't understand his love for you, there won't be fire there because you're trying to create something on your own power. But when you understand how much the Father loves you, there's a fire in your heart that begins to burn. Because who doesn't want to burn for somebody who loves them? We burn in our hearts for our family and our sons and our daughters and our cousins and our moms and our dads. We'll burn for them. We'll fight for them. We'll do everything we can to cause them to be in safety. We'll get in front of the arrows and the darts sometimes. And the Lord's like, don't let the fire go out of your heart because it's that very fire that's going to draw you near to me. And anchor me with your heart today. So, God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't even understand the love you have for us, Lord. And how much you want to bless your children today, Lord. We don't, we don't have a concept in our mind of what that even looks like, Lord. But you do, Lord. You, you know everything about us, Father. You know our comings, you know our goings, you know our afflictions, you know the attacks, you know the witchcraft, you know everything, God. Nothing gets past you, Lord. 
but God, we stand in your fire this afternoon that we would burn more for you, Lord. Give us understanding of your love today, God, and the greatness of your love and the power of your love, God. Oh, the power comes from you because of the love. God, we give you honor and glory today, Lord. Bring us understanding, Lord. Bring us understanding that in the inner sanctuary, in the presence, God, is where the oath is at that activates our promises, God. <laughs> and we haven't seen anything yet, yet Lord. <laughs> we haven't seen nothing yet, God. <laughs> Those are just little nuggets. <laughs> but there's so much more of an overflow you want to give in this place to those that are watching online, God. There's so much more that you want to pour out to us, Lord. Don't let us be of a people that say, I know, Lord. Because we don't know, Lord. We don't know the fullness of who you are. And we don't know how powerful our destinies and our purpose are in your kingdom, Lord. Because if we did, we would be screaming from the rooftops everywhere we went about how good you are. <laughs> so, God, lift up your, your arms this morning. Fill us this afternoon with fresh fire, Lord. Fill us this afternoon with fresh fire, God. Just like Jeremiah was saying, Lord, that shoots up in our bones, God. That we're going to be people that can't withhold it anymore. That all we want to do is scream it out, Lord. That we would be an overflow, God. An overflow, God. An overflow, God. Oh, we speak overflow in all the different areas, God. We speak overflow for our families, God. We speak overflow, God, for us personally, God. We speak overflow to the media and those that are watching, God. We speak overflow to the worship, God. We speak overflow to the media, God. More nations, God. Oh, more nations, God. You said we were called for the nations, God. Oh, we ask for an overflow for the region, God. Those that don't understand, bring understanding to them, God. Oh, those that speak of a different spirit that is not of Holy Spirit, God. I pray that you align them this morning. That they would walk and they would talk the way you walk and talk, God. That nothing of evilness will come out of their mouths any longer, God. God, we speak light. Your light would come and hit each one of us this afternoon, Lord. Your light would come and hit those that are watching this afternoon and those that are going to come watch, Lord. That all darkness has to leave in the mighty name of Jesus. From our region, God. From the regions that surround us, God. The darkness will have to leave from the 220 radius today, God. We are not going to agree with it and bow down to it, God. We will only bow down to you, God. And we speak that darkness flee and go back to hell where it belongs. In Jesus' mighty name. 
See, we got to get aggressive with the enemy because he's not being light with us right now. He's not being cute with us. He's trying to take out our families. He's trying to bring death. He's trying to make us sick. He's trying to cause, cause us to give up. And the Lord's saying this afternoon, rise up, people, rise up. Rise up and take your position as an ambassador of Christ. You're the chosen royal priesthood. Don't listen to the devil anymore and cause you to be dismayed. God, we command all dismayed to be broken today, Lord. That your strength, that your hope, God, would be restored today, God. And we rebuke dismayed in this region. We rebuke confusion in this region, Lord. Oh, we speak to the mind, Lord. That our mind would be aligned with heaven today, Lord. That what we speak will sound like heaven, God. Oh, give us the backbone of boldness today, God. That we don't serve a weak God, we serve a mighty God. And a mighty, powerful God is who we will bow down to. We will not bow down to sin any longer. We will not bow down to addictions any longer. We will not bow down to lust anymore. You got to speak to that thing. Whatever you've been bowing down to, you got to speak to it right now. Oh, Lord, we don't bow down to the witchcraft anymore. We're not going to bow down to the witchcraft in this city and in this state, God. Oh, you have no right or authority here. God, but we are called to be the sword state. And we declare it over our state today that the swinging sword will come forth to chop off the plans of the enemy today, Lord. Let it come swing and take out the devil right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Decapitate him today, Lord. <laughs> and we ask that you kill the giant that's been trying to rise up in this place, God. That religious giant that just speaks nonsense but has no power. And we ask that you come to chop off the enemy's head today. Just like you did with Goliath, God. You will do it for us again, God. Look, if you need healing in your ears today, you need to come up and receive your healing for your ears today. I felt that in the beginning of service this morning. You've been having problems with your ears being clogged, things happening with your ears. It's an attack of the enemy because he doesn't, in the spirit, he doesn't want you to hear the spirit of the Lord right now. I sat down and my ears started bothering me. And my ears hadn't bothered me. 
And I asked the Lord this morning, I said, God, what are you doing? He says, well, you can't. What does the word say? You can't, you catch the word of the Lord by hearing it. Because by hearing it, it enters into your soul and in your spirit. But if you haven't been able to hear well in the natural, it's something in the spirit. And the Lord's like, I want to heal today the ears. I want to hear today the ears so they can hear me again. And they won't be dismayed. God, we pray today. Heal our ears. Heal our ears, Lord. There is power Heal our ears, Lord. In the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Oh, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. To break every chain. Is it There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. To break every chain. To break every chain. To break every chain. To break every chain. Break every chain. In the name of 
Yeah. 